you've taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Always. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin, Andy, and Wyatt. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a chronological journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker, one story at a time from the eyes of a newcomer. I'm Calvin, and I have seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Wyatt. I've also seen a lot of Star Wars. Amandy, I haven't seen a lot of Star Wars. That's the point. Yeah. Uh, let me just say that State Fair style lemonade is uh, the best recording drink to have. It is refreshing. It is not too lemony. It is not too sweet, but it's fun. And there's Andy's cat in the frame. Not sponsored by the <laughs> either New York, Wisconsin or Massachusetts State Fairs. He's such a good boy. State Fair he, style lemonade is amazing. All I do is love cut up lemonades, cut up lemons, put some sugar in, muddle them together, put some water and ice in, and shake it up, and it's amazing. You should that's make a it? food Instagram. Yeah, that's, that's it all you for do. real. Yeah, I love the State Fair lemonade. I'll have to, I'll have to do that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so sorry. I can't stop my cat. He's just gonna be who he is this eh. episode. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Ahsoka's a guest star a fair amount of the time. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, I don't. I, I no longer have to lock Ahsoka out of my bedroom because I don't live with roommates anymore. So I can have the all the doors in my apartment open, so she can just hang out. Slay. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So. So. So this week on uh, First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, we watched Star Wars Rebels season two, episodes five and six. Always two there are, and Brothers of the Broken Horn. Andy, who are we playing Dungeons and Dragons with today? Um, I kind of feel like, have we done Hondo? I feel like we probably haven't. We haven't done Hondo, no. I feel like that's fun. I feel like because Hondo hasn't Hondo. been around since uh, Clone the Wars. The coffee days, yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen Hondo since, um, I honestly, since the Onderon arc, I think, of Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, uh, he's a rogue, right? I yeah. feel like that's it. He's a scoundrel. He's a scoundrel for sure. And a scammer. Yeah, he, he feels like uh my... It's one of my friends in my D&D campaign. I don't know if this fits him in terms of actual like what he does, but it does in terms of vibe. One of my friends in our D&D campaign is pa- playing a cleric who is devoted to Loki, who is just constantly scamming people and just like pulling schemes and doing every like hondo anaka level like i can turn everything into an opportunity to make money she is by far the richest member of the party and even though we have moral objections we do keep having her pay for things with the stolen money which feels very hondo okay so and so so, uh cleric who um specifically Sorry, Andy, I was just telling a story. I didn't mean to hijack it. No, I think that's perfect. Yeah. Who is what has what devoted himself to Loki or? Yeah, Loki is the like he is is, like the patron god. Yeah. Okay. No, I can I can be on board with that. I love I I just I love I, I enjoy shitty Hondo 
like probably even more than Pirate King Hondo. <laughs> yeah, I think this is honestly, I think that's a good idea. We need to get more specific. I'm feeling, I'm feeling. Yeah. Uh, uninspired by the Dungeons and Dragons classes. Yeah. Because this is a, this is a very, um, this is, you know, a new phase in Hondo's life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He once maybe was a rogue and he's given that life up. Yeah. He's trying to live that life still, but, you know, his crew has left him and he is kind of just on his own at the present moment. But he is in episode two. Yes. For let's now. Talk. Yeah, let's get into the first one. Yeah. Uh, so first we have always two there are in which Rex and Kanan are fighting about philosophies of Jedi versus soldier. So Ezra's fed up with it and goes off on a mission with Zeb and Sabine to an abandoned medical Republic frigate, at which point they are accosted by inquisitors. Bum, bum, bum. Two inquisitors. Two inquisitors this time. Yes. We have mm-hmm. our familiar face of the fifth brother and the new seventh sister, who also, um, so I play this board game called Villainous, which it's got a couple of different iterations. You got Disney Villainous and Marvel Villainous and Star Wars Villainous, where you take on the role, uh, this is relevant, I promise, take on the role of <laughs> a villain, um, and you're just kind of playing at, as that game, and you are helping yourself while hindering the others. Um, it's very fun. I like it a lot. Um, but they just announced a new expansion for Star Wars that's got Boba Fett, Cad Bane, and the Seventh Sister as the three play- playable villains. Which Seventh Sister is one a of these things interesting, is not like there. the other. Yeah, and, and it's like a yeah, like, like the expansion is titled Scum and Villainy. So like you see why it's Boba Fett and Cad Bane. But I, I mean, I guess you know you gotta have your token Sith. I not mean, token, if you were like, going to have it, not to sound like Andy, but if you were going to have anybody, you should have had Asajj Ventress. Asajj, well, Asajj Ventress was in the base game. Okay, oh. fair enough. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I personally would have gone with Cage Vonda from uh, Jedi Survivor, but, you know, that's just me. She was the aforementioned Nautilin bounty hunter who was... Who's, as I understand it, an incredibly minor character. An right? incredibly minor character, yeah, okay. but she's still fun and uh, pretty pivotal pivot, pivotal for a side quest so Um, i liked her a lot yeah this is i always remember this episode as like a you just gotta get through it episode and then i always have a better time with it than i remember really it it, it doesn't stick with me but i find the i i like a lot of the character bits i the the humor is good yeah it's fun it's you know uh seven sisters got her little pet probe droid who as i understand it has appeared in yeah, that little probe droid that showed up in Rebel or in Kenobi that one time, I think. Yes, when the Inquisitor were, probe droids. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. It also looks like Aiden Versio's droid, but yes. it's not it. That is also true. I do, I do love a little pet pet droid. I I'm a huge fan of BD One, so like, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of this episode, Andy? I'm gay, you know. I think that's like an important thing to know. Is Do you know I who really voices the Seventh feel... Sister? No. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Are you serious? Yeah, Sarah the, Michelle oh Gellar. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Who is married to Freddie Prince Jr., who yeah. voices Kanan. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. So they were in Scooby Doo together. So. Yeah, I was yeah. Say the Scooby Doo gang. Back the original, the OG Scooby Doo couple. Are now on opposite sides of the force. Cute. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. My cat is playing with a very loud toy. Can you guys hear it? 
Yes. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna. We I'm got a little just, little bit of tambourine accompaniment. I'm gonna I'm gonna like kick him far away. Not kick him. <laughs> kick the, like the toy. <laughs> just cuts to Andy punting their cat. Oh my god. Hey, you know who would Ezra would do that to Chopper if he had the chance? I feel yes, like. but he would never do it to a loft cat. No. But Ezra wouldn't be able to do it to Chopper because Chopper has uh, locked himself using the mag clamps to the floor. He also is usually within arm's reach of of uh, firearms. That's true. We'll get to that next episode. <laughs> were you guys talking about we're anything? Talking about we were talking about Chopper. I, okay. We were yeah. talking about whether Ezra would kick Chopper because Chopper's the cat. No. Well, we say yes. So, I say he would never do it to a loth cat, but he would absolutely kick Chopper. Yes, exactly. It's like it's Chopper is not going to feel that shit. He'll just beep and be like, what the fuck? Like, why'd you do that? Um, Chopper is the one droid where I'm like, I feel like I always know what this motherfucker says. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, because I'm like, I know exactly what he just what he's saying. I, I will say he, his noises are made by a person. Oh, really? Yes, I'm, Dave I'm not gonna, voice Okay, him. I was going to say, I'm not going to oh. tell you who it is. But it doesn't matter, because we just didn't know when the show was on. It was revealed at the end of the series that Dave Filoni was the voice of Chopper the whole time. Oh, that's And cute. so it's obviously modulated and, and sort of beeped. But like R2-D2 is genuinely just some beeping. So okay. when you hear what R2 says, it's because the beeping has been made to sound like something. But Chopper is a person going like, wop, 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 kind of stuff. That's very funny. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I loved the seventh sister. That was like the highlight of this episode. That was like yeah. the standout. Um, She's one of my favorite. I think she might be my favorite Inquisitor design. I love the Wicked Witch of the East look. She looks so good. She reminds me a lot of Ventress. Like she looks, her her design reminds me of Ventress. And I just want to give her a kiss. But not as badly as I want to give Ventress because a kiss. Because the seventh sister is... Definitely Miriallen, right? Yes. There was debate at the time whether uh, the Seventh Sister, before she was revealed in this episode, she was in the trailer, and uh, people were able to see that she was um, Miriallen with green skin who was working for the Empire. And so everybody thought she was Barris Offie. <gasps> Crazy. Uh, she's not. That's not a spoiler. Like, she's a separate character. Um, voiced by a completely different person, completely different design. We don't really know a whole lot about her backstory, but she's she's an Inquisitor, and she's appeared in other sort of tie-in stuff. She did not show up in Kenobi, which I was, I was actually expecting once we saw the fifth brother. But uh, yeah, she's cool. She's one of my, I, I like the uh, I like our sort of <laughs> I like our pair of Inquisitors that hate each other <laughs> for this season. Yeah, like you can really tell where. Sorry, Andy. No, you're you're fine. No, I want to hear what you had to say. I mean, we can really tell where we get the like dysfunctional office stuff from in Kenobi because like this was clearly the basis. Yeah, her seven sister showing up unrelatedly and trying to sneak like snoop and get the fifth brother's Jedi kills fits very well with how the Inquisitors were in Kenobi, where Reva was just like doing shit, and now. They don't really have a they don't have the the big boss anymore. So it's I I enjoy the fact that we know that the Inquisitors are a fucking mess, but that they're still high powered enough that they wipe the floor with our heroes in this episode. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they barely got away. Um, yeah. They're fun uh, to watch. Yeah, I, I do enjoy watching the fifth brother just be the butt monkey of the Star Wars universe. He can yeah. never get a win. No, he really doesn't. He shows up like a lot because he was also the main antagonist of um, the uh, bridge book between Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor, which is Jedi Battle Scars. So he was there. Cal Kestis fights him. He cuts off Grace's arm and Cal eventually wins. Um, but he like, poor dude can never get a break. I feel that's bad all right. Him. I don't like him. I, I he, he must suffer. Yeah, I find his suffering entertainment or I, entertaining. I, he is kind of hot. So the fifth brother a little bit. Yeah. Your tastes are questionable. The yeah, first of all, yeah, <laughs> he looks like he's wearing a fucking bicycle helmet at all times. Um, I don't know. It's something. It's something about the voice to me. I don't know the the animated voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, it is good. I I, I, I like the voice acting for Kenobi, both. But yeah, my thing though is like the one thing that really makes me not like him is is the I think the people in Kenobi just did a really bad job with the inquisitor's design like no offense to you guys but like i it took me a minute so like when i when we first saw him to be like oh right this is the guy that we've seen before because yeah. i'm like they just look so fucking different like i just pulled up a picture um which is hard to do guys because i really have to not look when i type into the search bar um <laughs> But uh, like I looked at a picture of him from Kenobi versus like in in Rebels, he looks like his face is made of like stone and metal and it's like gray and it's and then in, and then in in Kenobi, it's like he, he's I've just got that white, guy from Fast I've, and Furious. Yeah, I've got white face paint on. He, he I, I think just, he like, so, so upsetting. He, he was, he's not as high profile character. Nobody fucking likes him. So like he wasn't there. What the complaints weren't there as they were with the Grand Inquisitor, who is a more popular character. Uh, but I think the Grand Inquisitor, as it turned out, got a way better like. Both costume and acting performance, no, no knock on the uh, I can't remember his name. He's Han in Fast and Furious. Um, but the fifth brother did not get a great shake in Kenobi design or look like. It just, yeah, he. He needed more in the in the mat in the face paint to like emulate the cracks in his face, and also they took all the ornate detail off his uniform. Yeah, I feel for like... no reason really because it's like it's not <sighs> a lot of times in live action Star Wars they have to simplify things from the animated because some things just won't work in real life. But this yeah. costume isn't one of those. It's yeah, already it's designed because like... rebels can't do cloth. They, their budget is about three nickels right now. So at, there's no excess. There's no capes. There's no tunics, really. Everyone's wearing pretty, like, just stiff, normal, stuff. standard, yeah. stiff things. And so I don't know. I, I vastly prefer his design here. Yeah. He's also fucking huge. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. He's a big boy. Big so. fella. Yeah, just uh, just disappointing. I hope that if they, in Kenobi, if they give us the uh, the seventh sister, I hope she looks better because I also thought the Inqu the first Inquisitor looks bad. The the, the that guy, like yeah. I thought his, his acting was slay. I thought his, his costume was pretty good, but his makeup was yeah, the still head, the same problem. I believe we will learn in subsequent years that Kenobi had its budget severely slashed after they cast all the actors 
because like Andor had randos, like character actors. They they didn't have a whole lot of like Kenobi had names in in pretty much yeah. every one of its major roles, and I think the production side suffered a little bit, which is a shame because it was good. But yeah, we got uh, they. It's basically sort of a this episode's like a pretty standard. It's almost it feels like a yeah, horror movie. Exactly, game. it's like a little. Yeah. I don't know if it's riffing off a specific horror movie or. I mean, everything, everything is doing alien. I feel like every time you're on a spaceship with corridors, it's alien. True enough. I mean, like it was a a very good moment when like the seventh sister is looming out of the darkness and you can kind of see her silhouette like as she's approaching. I think it's Chopper. Yeah, it's I, I don't think it works as well as some of Bad Batch's more ominous scenes, but it's perfectly serviceable to like it. It feels right for Rebels target audience where I don't like I don't think it's a knock on the show that it is aiming for a slightly younger audience than a lot than the other animated shows we've watched. So I think it's perfectly serviceably scary for this sort of 10 to 12 demographic. Yeah. Yes. And no, it is really scary. And the the like Ezra getting captured and then Sabine getting captured and like all of the the like threatening like the seventh sister is scary. Like they're scary. She's uh fucking nuts <laughs> yeah she always seems a little bit like the fifth brother is not as intimidating but he does seem to have it together the seventh sister is always like a little bit screw loose to me which i love that's yeah that's no how we I love like an unhinged <laughs> we love an unhinged woman but she is and it does feel like our characters are in real peril like it, they're probably not going to get murdered in a random episode five of the series, but it feels dangerous enough that like there could be consequences. Yeah. And well, them being like, we can't call Kanan like we can't get back up. We have to deal with this ourselves. Yeah, that's good. I, I enjoy one of the things that I think Rebels season two early does really well is raise the stakes. Uh, Siege of Lethal, obviously sort of dropping the hammer on the status quo from season one and even what we were thinking might be the status quo from season two. But now we've got, so they can't return to Lethal. They're, they're like in space looking for a base. They now, and now the Jedi part, they have two inquisitors after them and, and Vader knows Ahsoka is alive. Like there, there's not a whole lot of things going their way right now. On that note, I do find it uh, a really fun continuity thing with Kenobi is that, um vader's not trailing ahsoka himself the way that he was going after kenobi he's sending the inquisitors after and i think that it's after that conversation with palpatine at the very end of kenobi you know he is kind of knows to stay away and not get too too attached to trying to find yeah and and the the emperor in in our in his conversation with vader at the beginning of in siege of lethal reiterates that is like he sort of reiterates the that finding Ahsoka is in line with the Inquisitor's mission. She could lead them to other lost Jedi, but that it is not Vader's job to do it until like until it's Vader's job to do it. But like he he doesn't he yeah. does not play cat and mouse. But he is the I would assume he's like I think that the expectation is he's the big boss the exact same way he was in Kenobi, where like if they got him, you you call you call up Darth. Yeah, I want to. I'll just mention a couple things I liked. I I don't remember if this is the first time, but the Commander Melu run gag gets me every time. <laughs> it's just like 
being I'm General Papaya. (laughs) (laughs) This was I also like that. So they're looking for Ahsoka, but we don't actually get Ahsoka or Kanan in this episode. Yeah. And I think that was a really good choice writing wise. It it, it upped the stakes like you were talking about earlier, Andy, with like they can't call Kanan because it's just like calling a moth to a flame. But uh, also not having giving a little bit of separation, even at the end from from Ahsoka really sort of for me emphasizes that there's there are just levels to the the force stuff that's going on right now. And that Ezra Ezra's got that teenage bravado. He thinks he's cool. He's got a nice fancy staple gun lightsaber, (laughs) but he's not on the level to handle even the Inquisitors beating the grand inquisitor nonetheless and he didn't even do that he got he got he got scarred and knocked out of the fight his his dad did that yeah um on an animation note i did really canon's face when he um learned that there were two more inquisitors more inquisitors yeah yeah he was just like so because i mean defeating the grand inquisitor at the end of season one was just like such a horrible like it was really like they almost fucking died like it was really and it's funny for us too it's it's it actually i think makes it work better for us because we've known the whole time there are multiple inquisitors yeah we knew this from the beginning inquisitors are fucking everywhere in the new canon and we saw them in kenobi we uh they're in uh jedi fallen order survivor the comics even if if even though it's not under the purview of the podcast, they're fucking everywhere. But they ref, but the rebels crew doesn't know that. And their learning of it is a really good moment because it it changes the, it changes the season. Like we're, it's no longer just like, okay, we're, we got to figure out some rebellion stuff. The Jedi shit is back and they have to worry about more than just Darth Vader. I thought it was funny where they were like, do you think Ahsoka knows that there's more inquisitors when, Ahsoka, according to depending on who you ask, has met either one or two inquisitors by this point. But so. is also like been around. She's she's not she wasn't born yesterday. She knows about the inquisitors. She's yeah. smart yeah. enough to be hiding from them and staying out of sight post her early encounter. But I also like in a thematic tie to the last episodes with the clones, the fact that this takes place in a medical station, uh, which we learned about. All the way back in season one of the Clone Wars, when we first met Nala Say, mm-hmm. uh, is I, I it's it's the it's more like more ruins of the old republic than relics of the old republic, and speaks yeah. to how they discarded that care infrastructure that was built fairly like altruistically for the clone army that doesn't exist anymore under the empire they're even the stormtroopers are even more disposable they they didn't repurpose them they abandoned these stations yeah i really do appreciate when like writers sort of re not repurpose like sets because it's not like this is like ah this is exactly something but but it's it's cool to me when they're like okay well when we're trying to like put these episodes in a setting and they're picking their setting um, I feel like a lot of care goes into the setting in Star- and just in Star Wars in general. Um, but I feel like Rebels really highlights it. Like there are times when I feel like planets in Clone Wars were kind of wasted. Not all the time. I feel like they did. They did really use the setting well, typically. But I feel like every single time I'm just like, yes, slay Rebels using this environment, picking interesting environments like picking things from the past and then changing them like ugh, 
Well, and that's that's the thing. The difference to me between the the Clone Wars and Rebels is that that the influence of George Lucas, because that he's always moving at a million miles an hour. So even in Clone Wars, we'll get planets that could be that are even fully realized, and they have interesting cultures, interesting designs. It's a an interesting place to spend an episode, but then we're going so fast in the story and then we move on and it's just gone. And Rebels, because they don't have the infinite George budget, has to be more economical in their choices of setting. But also that means that they really need to justify creating new settings. And so not only does that mean we often see recurring settings like Garel, the purple planet that we'll see yeah. in the next episode, but also that means that 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 when we choose to get a new setting, it's it has to be justified story and theme wise. And so I think that leads to what you say, the, the, the necessity of the care put in forced by the economics and like Rebels doesn't work if you don't like LaFall, basically, if you don't buy LaFall as a as a place to spend a lot of time, you don't connect to it and to Ezra and to the people there. It, you're not going to like Rebels, but the care that was put into even in season one, we're, we're still one season to a four season show where Lethal is essentially a character of in and of itself. Yeah. And already we care about Lethal. Yeah. And we'll not being able to like be on Lethal like that. That its absence like, is still relevant. It's yeah. still impacting the story. Like like how Ahsoka is impacting this episode despite never appearing in it. It's all about her, but it's really not. She's sort of the inciting incident. Her existence is the inciting incident, but it ends up being an episode really about Ezra and Sabine's resourcefulness. Uh, in one of my... And so uh, that's actually a thing I did want to mention. We're finally past their awkward flirting. Oh, good. Pretty much. Like the, the shit they were doing in season one is kind of gone. There's a there's a pretty epic Ezra monologue, awkward, like where he's talking to her. I think in the, the next podcast episode will be when we get it. But it's like actually good instead of cringy. Um, and that's like sort of it. And we were starting the Ezra and Sabine brother and sister arc where they're just causing shenanigans together. I love their team ups generally as we go forward in the show. And I think it's, it's a good sign to have them paired and being normal rather than Ezra being like written as a caricature of a 14 year old. Yes. Yes. Because it makes him so like unlikable to be, to be honest. I, I just personally like, Oh, hate men. I hate men. (laughs) And we'll just so like, I feel, I feel for like, if they were to have continued this, I would not have been able to, like, connect to Ezra. Because Sabine, like, I don't know. I've been that girl where, like, I've got my weird friends who, like, w- won't get over a crush on me. And it's like, we can never truly be friends if you well, yeah, and behavior. It, it, yeah, if you, if you are not chill about it. And I yeah. think it's, like, it, it's reflective of it's certainly reflective of my experience in high school where like I had a crush on somebody and it wasn't reciprocated big fucking deal I got over it (laughs) eventually it took a bit like I'm not gonna sit here and say I wasn't 14 but like yeah 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 yeah. it it was it it was it's a necessary skill to have in order to build real relationships with people because 
newsflash, you're going to have crushes on your friends. And I think it's actually, it ends up being a nice little be like, oh yeah, he met the coolest person he'd ever met. She's a Mandalorian artist who was killing people, <laughs> Imperials, when he met her. That's awesome. You, you could develop an Insta crush, but as they're basically roommates now. Yeah. No, it's good. I'm curious to see like Star Wars, Star Wars like really hasn't, except for for Kanan and Hera. And then like, I guess technically uh, Anakin and Padme. I haven't really seen like a like that. Those are the only like romances. Yeah. You know? Well, and Anakin and Padme's romance, even though you didn't know it at the time, was always loaded with this sense of foreboding and doom. Like yes. we talked so much about their incompatibility, like they were always hurtling down a path that was going to end in them breaking up at best. Yeah. Um, but I think now I, I believe this is the, gr the great test for Star Wars is uh, can the, the amazing couple of Kanan and Hera carry the torch to get Andy interested in a Star Wars romance? I just wish, like, I like Kanan and Hera, but I just want, I want more. I want more. I, I like romance. I love, I love a good romance story. And I wish that there was more of it and that it was good in Star Wars. So You should play Jedi Survivor. Mm, <laughs> that is no. all I'll say about that. Also, uh, and also, speaking of um, uh, hot lady inquisitors, um, the second sister, uh, who is the main antagonist of Jedi Fallen Order, is also, would be up your she alley. She is your like, type. I will say is uh, the the second sister. Yeah. One but, day, Sidori. Yeah, one uh, day once it I, eventually gets ported to Switch. Yeah, <laughs> when I when I have time. Yeah. And money to play it. Yeah. Video yeah. games do take up a lot of time. Episode two. Well, episode Brothers six. of the Broken Horn. So, um, Slay Hondo Slay. Do you hate his design? I've been thinking about this since we recorded the last episode. What do you think of Hondo's Rebels design? It's tough. <laughs> that, that's correct. It I is love him tough. though. Like I, it's a, so on one hand, it's like he still rings true. Like this is still like there yeah, are he's other got all the design things. He was adapted well. I I don't think he was adapt. Like I don't love it, but it adapts. It, I find, it adapts well enough. I find his like base growths too long. But other than that, I think he's he's as as well as Rebels adapts a, a more angular Clone Wars or a, a yeah Clone Wars character. I think he works fine because he's he's an alien, so that's actually quite a bit easier. He keeps his like more blocky nose and deep lines in his face, and then hides a significant portion of his his head in the goggles and hat. Yeah, so I thought he looked fine. Um, I don't know the face things. I thought it was meant to like simulate like ah oh, his beard has yeah. Grown. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. He's older. I get it. I just think it looks weird. <laughs> I agree. I agree a hundred percent. But I love him. I was so excited yeah, that he's... he was in this episode when I was like, "This is a fucking Hondo episode." Um, peeing in my pants. Cry and this is, I like, feel like they've truly unlocked comedy hondo like he hasn't been seen as intimidating in quite a few episodes now back even back to clone wars so him being just sort of a slightly senile geezer who's still pulling schemes with what people were and i i also love that they did a hondo episode with rebels shittier hondo visago <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I thought people, I thought it was fun that Vizago. Yeah, Vizago yes. when Rebels came out, per season. 
When Rebels came out, uh, people were just sort of annoyed that because they were annoyed about it replacing Clone Wars. So they were annoyed about Visago not being Hondo. And while Rebels, I do think, needed to stand on its own feet and invent some characters first, it is funny to see actual Hondo pitted against replacement Hondo. And uh, yeah, I, it's I, I, love- I still say the way he that Visago says, I hate children at the end of this episode. I say constantly to my partner after they get home from a bad day at work at their school. <laughs> I hate children. Yeah. I okay. Wait, you let's can start. see where he tracks from being with Katuni and the other younglings and that Clone Wars Hondo. Yes. To um here, but go on, Andy. So so okay. So I have other things to say, but I want to just mention at the the beginning of the episode. I think it's interesting how they're kind of intro and they started doing it last episode too. We're introducing these um differing like perspectives on uh ezra's training of like there's the jedi perspective i mean we got the inquisitor perspective last time of like oh fucking come come here be an inquisitor um we got uh we have rex over here being like he's gotta he's gotta be a trained like a soldier he's gotta learn to prioritize it's interesting and then and then also Hera being like do your chores (laughs) i don't care about your training do your fucking chores please um, As always, Hera is right, and the other two need to have their heads bonked together. <laughs> but it's inter- it's it's interesting because Ezra. It's it's hard for when people are like, "You're a Jedi." He's not a Jedi, and then he says that in the I think the last episode where he's like, "I'm working on it." Yeah, um, and he in this episode says he's like when he's mad, he's like, "I don't want to be either." Because yeah. he's, he's, but it, but it is indicative of his his struggle with his training. We've seen that the Force and the Jedi stuff does not come naturally to him. And well, it's so like silly that Kanan is like he needs to train like a Jedi. Because it was like you really didn't have like yes, okay, Je- he did spend a long time with the Jedi Order, but it's also like you didn't pass your fucking trials yet, dude. You're er- <laughs> he was early early days in his. Yeah, he uh, was a Padawan time. Like, it's not like yep. he was he was not Ahsoka's age or anything like he. And also Ahsoka started uh, as a Padawan, like really early. Like, I would say if Kanan was like around Ahsoka's age, um, he had only been a Padawan for maybe like a year. Yeah, I believe one of the things I don't remember if this kept. I, I believe we know that a lot of Padawans in the Clone Wars were pressed into service young, like Ahsoka, oh. because they needed they needed the Jedi kept dying, and they needed commanders. Yeah, this is they part needed, of what comes they up in needed, Brotherhood. They needed soldiers, and uh, so I, I think Kanan was also a young Padawan, but he's a couple years younger than Ahsoka. Yeah. So he he, you're right. He. I think he started young, but I think you're right. He had barely a year of experience off Coruscant. Yeah, like he he's he's green, you know, and and obviously he literally wears point, green. <laughs> yeah, at this point in his life, like yeah, Kanan has had like life experience, but Jedi experience, no way. And it's interesting. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, and this is also like it's Ahsoka, not even about me, like, Ezra. But like this yeah, is a whole this yeah. is a proxy pissing war between Rex and Kanan bec- because Kanan is still mad about Order 66. Yeah. Yes. 
and he's mad at like he I would imagine Kanan also pretty jaded about the Clone War in general. What did it what what did it mean? His master died. He he lost everything. He he lost all his clone friends. Like he he lost everything for nothing. And and now I I would imagine all he could see in Rex is just him training him for another clone war. Yeah. There's a part of me that's like, I think Ahsoka should be the one training Ezra, but I feel like Kanan and Ezra's bond is like the reason why. As yeah. this training is going as well as it is. But there's this part of me that's like, Ahsoka is the most skilled Jedi right now. Yes. Like, out of everyone. Like, Obi-Wan is fucking a mess. Um, I mean, hopefully <laughs> at this point he's doing well, I'm hoping. But, like, he spent a long time just being crazy on Tatooine. So yeah, he's... And and we uh, none of our characters know he's out there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we've I mean, got... So, so I'm hoping like that's like I mean this that that stuff. I actually don't know when Obi Wan takes place after Obi Wan takes place about nine about ten years after um nine or ten years after Order sixty six. So like the Obi Wan series another, has happened. Has yes, yeah. it's happened. And but we're it, another yeah, oh, we're another eight years down the line from from Obi Wan. Yes. Wait, no, we're not. Yes, we are. Yeah, no, we're, another, we're not. No, five or six years down the line. Yeah, yeah. But so yes. so. Ezra is fourteen, right? Fifteen. He's fifteen now. Yeah, he he had his birthday last season. Yeah, yeah. So it's Um, been another five years. So I'm I'm assuming that Obi Wan, because at the end of at the end of the Kenobi show, like it seemed like he was like, okay, I'm gonna start training and shit again. Um, so I'm assuming like at this point he's hopefully getting his shit together. But Ahsoka (laughs) didn't take ten years off, like. Asso- I'm assuming. No, Ahsoka has been in the Force gym the entire time. Yeah, Ahsoka took one year off. Yeah, so for me, I feel like Ahsoka, out of the Jedi that we know, and, like, there's not a ton of Jedi out there, Ahsoka's gotta be, like, that bitch. And so part of me is like, I feel like that bitch should be training Ezra. Yeah. But- well, and I, I, I'm, it's cool, though, I think, uh, I, I don't really remember picking this up as we, as it aired, but, uh, this is a consistent thread this season of, like, Kanan's grappling with his role as a teacher and his his sort of struggling with what it means to be a Jedi himself is is contrasted against Rex, who is very set in his ways. Rex was taught by the best soldiers who ever lived, and he's going to get this rebellion into shape. Damn it. And he's doing it with his old man yells at cloud style now because he's he's an old geezer. So it's it's a it's a good dynamic to set up. I, I like it. And we're going to get a we're going to get an episode soon where it all comes to head. And I'm excited for that. And well, I think it was good, like, even though this was kind of a silly episode, this was a good setup for being like, Ezra is feeling frustrated, he's feeling stressed out. And I feel like that's a very common story of like, I'm stressed, I'm going to run away to the circus, I'm going to run away and be a pirate. So it's like really perfect. This happens in every teenage show. It's not usually in space with wacky aliens and many, many, many crimes, but (laughs) it's, it's like... The running away from responsibility episode is so common in these kinds of shows and and shows the deal with teenagers that aren't even sort of action adventure type stuff. And so it 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 yeah, it it, it serves its purpose story wise, where it's like it sets up the conflict between Rex, Kanan and Ezra. It sets up Ezra's gl- growing sort of like disinterest in his own studies and maybe even the rebellion and then 
it gets him back with his family. And um, in, in among that, we get to have a, a delightful guest star. Mm-hmm. I love that Ezra introduces himself as Lando. That just was... That gave me a, a chuckle. Yeah. Yeah, I like that certain people know him as Jabba the Hutt. Other people know him as Lando Calrissian. Yeah. He, but he, it's funny because he, he introduced himself as Ezra Bridger, I believe, in his transmission last episode. So he's he's becoming notorious under three names. Only two of like two of which are just actual people who are alive at this point. One of whom he met. I think I, I do think Hondo knew that Ezra was fucking with him and call, yes. naming himself Lando. Oh, absolutely. I think that sure. Hondo and Lando have crossed paths at this point. Yes. I feel like they've had to. I, I think I think that's sort of part of it is that it is that. It gives Ezra credibility in a little bit of a way to be lying about knowing an actual sort of notorious pirate kind of guy. I don't I, I don't think it really matters, but I've always believed that Hondo, if he hadn't met him, knew exactly who Lando Calrissian was and that it was funny that Ezra was lying about being him. Yeah, because they were stuck together. Hondo was going to get that name out of him eventually. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it. it uh Yeah, it's just a it's a and even sort of the way Hondo is sort of told to be down on his luck. I I, I don't know. I enjoy that he he has shown loyalty in the past. Hondo has to his crew, to the people who are good to him. He has been good on his word a lot of times and then he's been betrayed a lot. So it doesn't surprise me that his crew up and left him, even though he's been a more honest scoundrel. There, there's, there's not much like meat to this episode. Like the plot, no, it's, pretty a, it's just a great caper. Yeah, it was a yeah. fun action sequence. Um, that moment where Chopper is running down on the one wheel with brandishing the two guns is an iconic Chopper moment for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's the it's one of the greats. Yeah, and it's like I think when they came up with that, it unlocked a new level of violence for Chopper. Like yeah. he he. This is not the last time he'll use the sort of one wheel guns strategy and say hello to my friends, Chop and Purr. I Chopper is truly a fun droid. Like I just I enjoy him. Yeah. Um, We got the offhand mention of Obi-Wan where she's like, I used to be friends with the Jedi. At least I think we were friends. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, there's just, I don't know, the Hondo lines in this episode, he's kind of a, he's kind of a sad character at this point, even though he's really upbeat and goofy. And so it's always a little sort of like, oh, I, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. I know, that's actually, sorry, I'm actually I'm rewatching <laughs> Chopper shooting him. <laughs> it's good, it's isn't so it? It's so funny. It's really good. Um. Yeah, I think that that was honestly like a really beautiful part of this. Weirdly, is like Hondo is a sad character. Like you feel bad for him. He's not in his prime. Um, I mean, shit keeps going. This whole plan goes wrong for him left and right. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and and he's introduced a, a, like as in this episode as a foil for. Kanan and Rex as a potential mentor to Ezra. Yeah. And I like that. And even though obviously I don't, Ezra's path is not to become a pirate, to leave all everything behind, be carefree and cavort in the galaxy with Hondo Anaka. 
but it does represent a part of Ezra that is there, the part of him that lived on the streets for years and was yeah. a little schemer. And I think that this episode sort of forces Ezra to, it forces Ezra to acknowledge that that part of him is not all of him, but he sort of accepts it, I think, as part of himself. He is a Jedi. He has been a scoundrel and he must be a soldier. I'm going to I just realized this and I'm pulling I'm actually making use of my acting BFA. But Hondo Onaka is a fucking clown in like some of the most literal senses of the word. Like he's got he tries to do stuff and he fails and it's not funny to him, but it's funny to us. And it's great. Yeah, no, he he's and Star Wars has a so pretty falls. Star Wars has a rich history of using that kind of humor, uh, even back to the so the droids and the originals, but also famously Jar Jar Binks is calling on that kind of comedic style to varying success. And I think Hondo is one of the more successful versions of it, of that kind of that they started using him like this in the, the younglings arc where like he was drunk and flying and everything. But uh, I think Rebels small scale is a really good place to like spend an episode with a clown and do good character things like this is a this these are both very quintessential rebels episodes whereas i would argue that last episode was very much just sort of like it, it was way more about clone wars than rebels the, yeah. the clone two-parter and then siege of lethal is its own thing completely paced differently like it's it's a one hour event movie kind of thing yeah and this is like okay we're back into we're back into rebels this is what season one was like we're doing shenanigans and people with red blades are trying to murder our heroes. <laughs> this is what we came to see. Yeah. I yeah. really wish that we had gotten the moment when Hondo shows up to the ghost crew in the Phantom because I really want to know what Rex said when he saw Hondo. Has I don't think Rex has ever met Hondo. Hasn't he? No, I think he is. I, I don't think he was in any of those episodes. Not even when Anakin and Obi-Wan were kidnapped by Hondo with Dooku. No. Wow. They fly off in their own shuttle at the end of that episode. And the clones that are sent in the next episode are Coruscant Guard. Rex has heard about Hondo, yeah. but may not be able to pick him out of a lineup, which is even funnier. <laughs> so that when he hears the name Hondo Anaka after all that, he's going to be like, wait, that fucking guy. Okay, well, Rex and Hondo spent a spent a whole series mi just missing each other, and now they're. It, it is weird though, because like that's now three sort of major Clone Wars characters who are in the Ghost Crew's orbit, and it does make sense for each of them. This is <laughs> the complaints about Rebels <laughs> will start to turn from, oh my god, it's just replacing Clone Wars, it sucks. To get the Clone Wars stuff out of it. I want it to just be about the ghost crew because nerds can never be happy. No, especially Star Wars nerds. God. But here I am, a Star Wars nerd, and I'm very happy. Yeah, we're we're chill here on this podcast. Yeah. yeah um, Define chill. Andy's like eating their copy of Dark Disciple and going insane. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i literally like debated over whether i should pack it or not because i was like what if i want to read it before i move and then i was like bitch you'll lose it i was like you gotta pack it visago was in this episode and notably he did cash in on the favor that ezra owed him yes that's which sort of... was great which was so yeah. good because that was it was a relief <laughs> yeah i i remember at the time people thought this was going to be a huge dangling plot thread to be like cashed in like a sid kind of thing 
where like yeah. the, the Sid thing was hanging over the Bad Batch for two seasons and it was always going to end that way. And I think people's rea- what I thought at the time was, yeah, it was this is going to really bite Ezra in the ass. And it really didn't. He had a fun caper and Visago got helped lives to lives to see another day. But yeah, as Morrigan also here, still hate his design. James Hong is a living legend, the voice yeah. actor. But uh, I've always disliked the his Morgan design. Yeah, I just you know, I, you know the trope of evil fat people is just overused. But also, I, like I he's think. weird. The way they animate him is weird. He's like he's he looks he the way he moves like the Pixar bouncy ball, and his legs are weird, and he's weirdly top heavy. He just he's unsettling in ways that aren't even that are very alien to me. <laughs> But yeah, he because it, it, the re, and the reason he's an evil fat guy is because he was a uh, concept design for Jabba the Hutt back in the day. Oh, yeah. He's an old Jabba design because Rebels is full of old repurposed designs. But he's he's Jabba who was eventually went from concept concept conception as a dude, like just an alien dude to a really big slug. So you could see where this was sort of the midpoint. That's all I have for this episode. Yeah, what are we watching next? Uh, next time on First Steps of Star Wars Podcast, we are watching Star Wars Rebels Season 2, Episodes 7 and 8, Wings of the Master and Blood Sisters. Yes. Cheers. Good episode. Blood Sisters. Yep. This yep. is my, uh, I will say, this is the aforementioned first good Sabine episode. Oh, slay. A slay, yeah. Sabine. Sabine slay. Okay, that makes me happy. Yeah. So, yeah. No, these are I honestly. So it's funny. I watched Rebels like within the past year. I watched all of it. And but I've forgotten the order of season two. So every time I'm like, hey, Calvin, what are we watching? I'm genuinely excited because I've forgotten what's coming next. Oh, that's so cute. That's so sweet. So like, it's like Wings of the Master. I'm like, fuck, yeah, great episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. Wings of the Master has one of my all time favorite quotes in Star Wars in it. It's got maybe the Kiner uh, Kiner family's one of their best music cues, too. Yeah. All right. So uh, until next time, may the force be with you. Swag. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles and you can rate and review us on apple podcast thank you guys for listening thank you thanks a lot <laughs>